Packers zigged where they were expected to zag this offseason, but Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, and Devontae Adams keep this one of the most dangerous offenses in the league. Hello everyone and welcome into another episode of Fantasy Football in 15 here at The Athletic. We are going strong now into our second week of our State of the Team series here on Fantasy Football in 15. I am Michael Beller, your host, joined today by Derek Van Riper. DVR, what's going on? Just excited to uh, be here and uh, working on a great series of shows. I'm having a lot of fun getting to know the beat writers and diving in team by team and very excited to talk about the Packers today. Yeah, I bet you are. We got uh, some Packers talk here today. To do that, we bring on our Packers beat writer, Matt Schneidman. Matt, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yes, yeah, this is uh, going to be a fun division, I think. A lot of uh, intrigue up and down the NFC North. Really, all four teams are going to be contributing quite a bit, I think, to the fantasy football discussion. Uh, but, of course, the Packers, uh, always that team with Aaron Rodgers. But even with Aaron Rodgers, this team raising some eyebrows in the draft, trading up to use a first-round pick on Jordan Love. At this point, should we be viewing that pick, no matter how Rodgers felt about it at the time, as water under the bridge and something that the team has you know, moved forward from, if you want to talk about it in that way, and got ready for the 2020 season? For now, I think. Uh, I think we can revisit it in you know a year and a half, two years, once the Packers can actually afford to potentially move on from Rodgers, and then we can discuss, you know, is Jordan Love ready to take over? But by all accounts, we, we've listened to Love. We've listened to Brian Gutekunst. We've listened to Matt LaFleur. We've listened to Rodgers. And, and this seems like a relationship that's going to go off pretty well, at least at the start, from all indications. And, you know, Jordan Love might not even be the backup QB. If the Packers choose to take three quarterbacks on their 53-man roster, Tim Boyle could still be the backup since he already knows the offense inside and out. So, you know, I'm interested to see how many number two reps Jordan Love gets at camp, if any. And I, I think, as you said right now, it's water under the bridge. And if anything, I, I would expect Aaron Rodgers to have uh, the proverbial chip on his shoulder and, and play like he has little something to prove this year. You know, Matt, I'm thinking about last season, the Packers had a passing rate of 59.8%. That was the least they'd thrown the ball since 2015. And, and maybe some of that's the function of going 13-3 and and protecting leads. But do you think we see a similar distribution run versus pass, and, and a similar volume, ultimately, from Rodgers through the air. I do. Maybe even more of an emphasis on the run. You look at what they did in the draft. Their first pick was a guy that's not going to help them this year. Their second pick was A.J. Dillon, the running back from Boston College, 6 feet, 247 pounds. He's going to either be the number two or number three back. And then their third-round pick was Josiah DeGuara, kind of an H-back tight end hybrid from Cincinnati. So Gutekunst and LaFleur have said they want to make their play action passing game better, but also those draft picks lead me to believe they're going to pound the rock a lot more. Granted, you know, that their play action passing game was, I think 11th in the league last year. And with Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams, it should be better. Um, so I think you're going to see a lot of emphasis on the run first, but also, uh, a lot of passing situations off of that if they can establish the run. So I would expect around similar numbers there, uh, if not more emphasis on the run just because they added more to that area than they did 
through the air or the passing game or whatever you want to call it. You know, I think the most surprising thing when you're looking back at the Packers stat line by stat line from last year was the fact that there wasn't a whole lot of explosion in the passing game. That's something that we come to expect from an Aaron Rodgers-led offense. He had uh, a YPA of 7. That was the second lowest mark of his career, 11.3 yards per completion. Also, the second lowest mark of his career. Uh, At this point, is there a plan to breathe some more life and explosion into a passing game that still features one of the most talented throwers of a football that we've ever seen in the game? Yeah, it certainly seems like they are going to rely on the guys they have in that locker room right now to, to do that. And whether that's with Jay Sternberger, their 2019 third round pick, the tight end who caught 10 touchdowns at A&M in 2018, they're expecting a lot of things from him. Remember, he injured his ankle pretty badly uh, in the Packers' final preseason game, missed the first eight games of his rookie season, and then didn't catch a pass until the playoffs and, and caught a garbage-time touchdown in the NFC Championship game. Then you look at Devin Funchess. Granted, he's not the fastest guy. He might not be that vertical threat they need, but he's a guy that caught six touchdowns two seasons ago and has been to a Super Bowl with the Carolina Panthers. He broke his collarbone in week one last season. So they're taking chances on guys who have suffered injuries in the past and hoping that bringing them back to full health will be enough to get the most out of them. Yes, I I was a little surprised, and I think everyone was, that in a draft that was very deep on vertical threats, speed guys at wide receivers, slot options, especially since they lost Geronimo Allison, that the Packers didn't address that position. But they're counting on Marquez Valdez-Scantling, on Alan Lazard, Devin Funches, Jace Sternberger, to really complement Devontae Adams and be those threats that Aaron Rodgers needs that he didn't really have last year outside Adams. You know, aside from Adams, of that group of wide receivers, is there one that you see as being maybe ahead of the bunch to emerge as a a true number two? I mean, down the stretch last season, Lazard looked like that guy, and maybe the arrival of Funches sort of shakes things up again. But uh, I think for me, just the way that Valdez Scantling's season played out, I think my my optimism for him has faded. How do you kind of look at this group of returning receivers, at least, as they vie for targets behind Adams? Yeah, I'm intrigued to see what Funches has. I mean, like I said, we saw what he was able to do when healthy with the Panthers. Then he signed a nice deal with the Colts last year. Season ended by injury before it really even got started. But I think the X factor in that group, like you said, is Valdez Scantling. He started off strong. He's that deep threat. I think he's the fastest guy on the team by 40 time. But after he played kind of with a banged up ankle and had two catches for 133 yards and a touchdown against the Raiders in week seven, which was probably the Packers' best offensive performance all season, he disappeared. I think he had five catches for less than 40 yards the rest of the season, playoffs included. So they need him to get back to being that vertical threat because I think there's a lot of onus, pressure, whatever you want to call it, on him to be that vertical threat that the Packers didn't have. People kind of are forgetting about him, and rightfully so, because he just disappeared. And I think more than anything, it's it's a confidence issue. As cliche as that is, he's got the speed. He doesn't really suffer from the drops. It was a lack of opportunity, lack of snaps, and I think that came from just once he had a couple games where he wasn't really doing anything, that kind of snowballed, and, and we saw him just disappear out of the Packers' plan. So if Valdez Scantling, whose roster spot is by no means secured yet, can come in and, and be that deep threat. I think we could see him be that that solution to the Packers' problem there at number two wide receiver. 
Over the last four years, Devontae Adams has established himself as one of the best receivers in the game. He had 10.6 targets per game last year, 127 looks in the 12 games that he played. He was on pace for just about a 30% target share, a little bit less than that. Had he uh, played all 16 games and maintained that target share, uh, would have ranked second in the league, sandwiched in between the top guy, Michael Thomas, and DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, even with the, the knowledge that the Packers need to develop a second or second and third legitimate receiving option alongside him this year, is it fair to expect uh, a target share approximating 30% again this season? Yeah, absolutely. I think anytime you have a guy like Devontae Adams, you get him the ball as much as possible. Like you said, and it's ironic because the four games the Packers played without Devontae Adams, they scored 32 points per game, which was second most in the NFL. They won all four of those games from week, let's see, week five to week eight that they played without him. And if you look, he averaged a little over 83 receiving yards per game. And if you add that to the 997 he had in 12 games, that would have put him right at the top with the likes of Julio Jones, Chris Godwin, Michael Thomas in terms of statistical categories. And he's, I think, arguably the best route runner in the NFL. I think you could put Keenan Allen, Thomas right up there too. Um, but yeah, anytime you have Devontae Adams on your team, you got to feed him. You just saw how open he got against the Seahawks, and that was probably the best game he played all season, the best uh, illustrator of, of what he can do against the defense like that. So I, I would expect the same load from Adams, even if they are able to find guys who can better complement him than they had last year. Matt, let's talk about the backfield. You mentioned the addition of A.J. Dillon. I think Dillon seems to me like he's just more of a threat to the carries of Jamal Williams. Like That looks like a legitimate battle that could be ongoing throughout the season. But Aaron Jones really had a chance to claimed the starting role last year and he flourished with that opportunity got over a thousand yards on just 236 carries was effective as a receiver as well and piled up 19 touchdowns uh, do you see Jones's role being pretty similar to what we saw a year ago do you even see a path for it to possibly expand a little bit in terms of volumes a volume despite the arrival of Dylan yeah um, I think AJ Dylan's arrival will more impact Jamal Williams rather than Jones I think you have to give Jones the same amount of carries. They abandoned the run a little too much last year. For example, they got down early against the Chargers in Week 9, I believe it was. And after the game, Matt LaFleur said, I abandoned the run way too much early in that game, and that's why we fell behind by even more. I think you're going to see more of an emphasis sticking to the run, at least early in games, and that will fall on Aaron Jones. And like I said, I think, if anything, A.J. Dillon cuts into Jamal Williams' carries because they have a similar running style. And, you know, A.J. Dillon can also be a goal line guy, so I'm interested to see confused slash whatever other word you want to call it um, about how he factors into the goal line equation. Aaron Jones was so good in the red zone last year that I don't know if they're going to have a rookie take snaps from him. But I think, if anything, Aaron Jones' workload will stay the same, if not increase a little more, and Jamal Williams might decrease as they kind of sift through uh, how to divvy up the workload in that running backs room. Does that hold as a receiver as well? We obviously love uh, running backs who catch the ball and get a lot of work in the passing game. The 68 targets that Jones had tied for 11th among running backs. His 474 receiving yards were 8th among running backs. Obviously, he was a weapon for this team and uh, a team that desperately needed weapons in the passing game. Should we be expecting something along the lines of what we saw from Jones last year as a receiver? 
Yeah, I, I definitely think so. Maybe a little less just because Jones, hopefully from the Packers' perspective at least, won't have to be that number two guy. And also I think you saw midway through the season teams kind of learn how to defend Jones. At, at the beginning of the season, first half of the season, when he wasn't really known as a receiving type of guy, teams would put linebackers on him, and he was just torching them. You look at what he did against the Chiefs in Week 8. They, the Chiefs just kept putting linebackers on him, and Jones went crazy in the passing game. Teams started putting safeties, cornerbacks, uh, dimebacks on him, and he kind of fell out of favor at receiver. So I think teams kind of know the formula to limit him as a receiver now. He'll still factor in that game. Maybe not as deep downfield as he did sometimes last year, maybe in the screen game a little bit more. So I would say still, you know, he'll have that impact as a receiver, not as much just because teams have figured out how to stop him. I would keep an eye on Jamal Williams as a receiver because if they need a, a second receiving back, I think that's Williams over A.J. Dillon. Dillon, Boston College didn't really ask him to do much as a receiver. Coaches, his former coaches, current coaches, and Dillon himself have said, you know, he can do that. He can run every route, catch every pass. He just wasn't asked to. But you look at what Jamal Williams did. He tied for the Packers' regular season team lead in touchdown catches with Devontae Adams. And, and he's a really good catcher of the football. And I think if you're going to put your money on anyone as a Packers receiving running back, it might have to be Williams just because he still kind of flies under the radar as a pass catcher, whereas Jones, he's kind of figured out now. You know, as we were talking earlier about the, the balance of run and pass versus last year, this team being more run heavy potentially in the future, it definitely lines up with some things they did during the draft. You mentioned uh, Josiah Degara being drafted. He's an H-back. They signed a free agent fullback, Elijah Wellman, as well. Uh, is this really just an effort to make this offense more versatile with personnel groups and maybe trying to mimic uh, some things we saw from San Francisco, both in the regular season and in that NFC Championship game matchup? Yeah, Matt LaFleur said ideally he'd like to make DeGora like Kyle Juszczyk, like how Shanahan deploys him pretty much all over the field. Obviously, that's a tall task, and that's not going to happen right away. But I think with DeGora, his ability to line up as an inline tight end, as a fullback out wide in the slot, you're going to be able to see the Packers use a lot of different looks, or similar looks, I should say, but run a lot of different plays out of them just because of what DeGora can do what Aaron Jones can do, what A.J. Dillon and Jamal Williams can do, what Jay Sternberger can do. Jay Sternberger played more of an H-back role last year, played more emergency fullback when Danny Vitale was hurt than he did pass catching tight end in the second half of the season. So what we've heard LaFleur say a lot on these conference calls and these Zoom meetings is he thinks DeGuar's versatility will allow them to do a lot of different things as an offense running and passing the ball, um, using him as a decoy, as a blocker, as a pass catcher. So I think those picks and what they've done this offseason, if anything, is that a little bit more variety and unpredictability to this offense. We didn't see the Packers run any trick plays on offense really last year. They were largely predictable in what they did uh, on offense, even though it was still pretty effective. You know, obviously they went 14 and four last year. But guys who can play more positions and disguise looks and line up in spots and not allow the defense to know what's coming, I, I think will help this offense this year. 
It was an unexpected offseason in terms of some of the moves that were made, but as long as you've got Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams, you are going to be a very interesting team in the fantasy football world and in the real-life football world for that matter. That's our Packers beat writer, Matt Schneidman. Matt, thanks again for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Uh, you can follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Schneidman, S-C-H-N-E-I-D-M-A-N. And that is going to do it for this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. If you are not yet an Athletic subscriber, you can get a free 30-day trial at theathletic.com slash football in 15. For Derek Van Riper and Matt Schneidman, I'm Michael Beller. Fantasy Football in 15 will be back with you tomorrow. 